Well, hell, 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 ladies and gentlemen, good evening, good night, good evening, good morning. I don't know, maybe if you're over in Australia or New Zealand, it might be good morning, maybe even afternoon. Uh, but welcome to the 11th hour edition of the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mr. C, your host, your most humble host, also known as Michael Aaron Gossetis, and uh, well... Welcome, 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 all ye of uh, little faith, except Relanon. Relanon has a lot of faith. Look at he's already in the audience, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to a late night edition of the Sea Report. That's right. Sometimes the Sea Report spills into the late of night. And uh, well, here we are today, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, just to do, as I said, an 11th hour edition of the Sea Report, that uh, at least central time anyways, just to squeeze out one report for the day. Had a very, very busy day today, ladies and gentlemen. I'll try not to be too long about it. Uh, we only got really one topic to cover for this evening's episode, right? But before we jump into that, I shall regale you with the tale of today. Uh, but no, 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 no. I mean, it's really not that long of a tale. You know, had a doctor's appointment, you know, do the public transport thing. Takes about half a day to get everything done that I need to do. Uh, but, you know, I rushed home as soon as I could and was very, very, very fortunate that uh, the time zones were working in my favor. And that would be because uh, today at, well, we were live here at about, what, uh, 5.15 p.m. Central Time in order to cover uh, the Arizona Senate's uh, informational hearing from True the Vote on ballot trafficking. Okay, so definitely had to participate in that and wanted to uh, be a part of that for sure and sharing it to uh, the audience out there. And, oh, look at that. Look at, would you look at that? Someone at Foxhole killed my stream, okay? If they're watching over there at Foxhole, I'm watching you guys, okay? And you guys just totally knocked my stream out. I'm watching you guys, okay? So anyways, oh, there we go. It's live again, all right. Well, actually, we'll see if we're live again. Uh, totally kicked my stream out. And, you know, I was just curious if it was actually going to work this late at night. I know most uh, most of those computer trolls work late at night. So, Foxhole, you, you might have some trolls on your system uh, or gremlins that are like... Let me refresh this page here and see what happens. Oh, there we go. There we go. Excellent. Good job, Foxhole. All right. Because I got I got multiple pages open here. I'm watching my uh, I'm watching my show uh, flip on and flip off of the main menu. So, uh, anyways, okay. Now that that's taken care of, let's hope that doesn't happen again. All right. You know, I mean, I, I appreciate you kept me at the top of the menu tonight. Okay. <laughs> anyways, don't distract me anymore, Gremlins. I've got to get through this report. All right. It's a very very important report. It's almost like they know not anyone specific but the gremlins know what we'll be talking about tonight. Anyways, so we're talking about the Durham investigation ugh, tonight, and I just totally just like jumped ahead of myself. But um, prior to getting into that, I just wanted to say a few words about today. Okay, I'm trying to get myself. Yes, see? Yes, see? Anyways, okay. Um, yeah, Durham investigation, the Michael Sussman trial, that's the topic for tonight, okay? That's what we're going to go through, because after all, the trial's over, ladies and gentlemen, and, you know, just to put it in a very short manner of speaking, all right? A very short manner of speaking, last 
Friday, uh, you know, basically prosecution gave its, uh, you know, its final closing comments, you know, I mean, all of that stuff was done. And uh, so I figured on Friday that they were going to come to, I guess, a verdict pretty soon. Um, and that verdict landed today, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure that many of you all, um, I'm sure there's a lot of hubbub about what is going on there. Now, I haven't had any time whatsoever at all to review that hubbub. Right? I don't know what people are saying. I don't know how people are taking this. You know, I know this is a uh, score one point for the pessimists and the pragmatics out there, right? They're, I told you, Mr. C, I told you it's always going to be this way. Nothing's going to change and business as usual, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm pretty sure, you know, this was, this is like, this is like a, uh, you know, a feather in their cap, right? But, you know, we'll talk about that in just a minute. I haven't had time because uh, once I got back to my uh, studio, <laughs> if you want to call it that, right, my virtual studio, uh, basically what's going on here is setting up for the uh, Senate informational hearing in Arizona for true the vote and ballot trafficking. Okay, so I was trying to say before the gremlins kicked me out, okay? And um, that, ladies and gentlemen, it was really good. Wanted to make sure that um, you know, I was able to share that. And again, the time zones really helped with that because after all, they're two back. And then, you know, I, dare I say that the Arizona Democrats uh, also helped with that because they forced the hearing to be almost an hour late. I think we're talking like 40 or 45 minutes late, right? So um, that was uh, that was another another uh, a good thing, I guess. Everything happens for a reason. But uh, overall, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a big old spoiler alert. The spoiler alert is this: No Moabs were dropped at this hearing. No Moabs were dropped at this hearing at all, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, this was an informational hearing. Now, inquiring minds what might want to know: What do you mean? What kind of informational hearing? Well, as we are following the path of dotting our i's and crossing our t's and making sure we've got good grammar and you know good punctuation, you know, they we have to pursue all of these paths in the proper you know order to ensure that uh, when we get to the end, they're not going to go back and say, well, you didn't even start at the beginning, so you need to go back to the beginning and start again, right? So that's what that's all about. Basically, after the release of 2,000 Mules, what needed to occur is a hearing wherein some state house will listen to the testifying, the witnessing of, you know, uh, True the Vote and the work that they produced in 2000 Mules uh, with the assist from Dinesh D'Souza. And then the uh, that state house can take that information and do open its own investigation or whatever it is wanted whatever it is it wants to do. As I've mentioned, with all of these um, forensic audits and uh, election audits and election investigations, there are several pathways there, right? You know, in Arizona, we have the example of the state legislature, right, doing or pursuing an investigation into election fraud. That's at the state level. Um, in uh, Michigan, we have the example of an individual who sues the county. And so that is a path forward where an individual who represents solely themselves represents their uh, county or township or, you know, just his jurisdiction, right, will open up a case and they will investigate it that way. That's through the that's through the jurisdiction. That's through 
sorry, the judiciary, but that is a single, single uh, witness trial, okay? Then we also have what? We have um, uh, Wisconsin, you know, we had state level investigations into broken laws, right? That's another path to go into that, but that required a special counsel, kind of like John Durham, right? Uh, and again, we'll get into that in just a sec. And so uh, all these various paths, right? You know, we had the state in, in Otero County, New Mexico. We had a county, a county is the one that initiated that investigation, that audit. And then they had a county hearing, right? Uh, and so, you know, we learn a lot of things from these various types of initiations into exposing the fraud, right, within the courts, you know. Uh, what we learn from Antrim County, for example, is that in order for judges not to, like, you know, call it in with a really, really lame excuse for appeasement of the single plaintiff, uh, it probably best if they had multiple plaintiffs or class action in order to get that going. So we've seen it at county level. We've seen it at uh, township city level. Uh, we've seen it with the plaintiff. We've seen it with multiple. We've seen it at the state house. Okay. Many, many different paths, right? Um, now, true the votes path is totally separate, even though it actually complements all of the other forensic audits in, or audits or investigations in this country, which is a great thing, right? Because uh, they landed in Arizona today, ladies and gentlemen. This is the second time. No, this is the first time they've been there uh, because they were previously in Wisconsin delivering this information. But this that was pre-2000 Mules, right? Now 2000 Mules has come out. Now it has basically rocked the mental bedrock of our nation, okay? And, and you could feel that type of energy in the room today watching that hearing, right? Now, again, spoiler alert, no Moabs were dropped in this hearing, okay? Uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg, um, Greg Phillips did not release did not release that cat from the bag, right? They're gonna hold on to that one because apparently there are other people who are looking at this information that Greg Phillips says is gonna make 2,000 mules look like, I don't know, 2,000 pesos, right? Not, <laughs> it's gonna make it look like small time thing, right? About uh, with what they're about to uncover. You know, and we kind of speculated about what that could be last night on the C report. I know someone was like, your C report's just getting later and later, Mr. C. And I was like, I can't help it. There was a hearing today. It ran late and then it was going on till about, I don't know, uh, 7, 7.30 my time. And then now here I am on at 11, well, it's 11, 11 right now on my clock. It's 11, we started at 11 PM. If that, if you want any idea of the minimum time that I need to get a quality report together, there you go, guys, because I had no time whatsoever, uh, this morning, um, um, or in between, we, I was trying to put this report together in between during the hearing, but also wanting to pay attention to the hearing. So this way I'm not just phoning it in whenever we, I talk about it. But uh, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. So um, a good informational hearing, right? The room was packed. Uh, RSBN was broadcasting the hearing, which is very important. So now we have um, now we have the momentum of 2000 mules being carried forward, right? Thank goodness for Arizona for um, having this hearing. So basically what it is, is it was a breakdown of 2000 mules, the investigation. Um, and also uh, within that hearing, they gave, um, they responded to all of the critics, the debunkers, the fact checkers, the naysayers of 2000 mules. And it's become rather obvious, you know, to everyone in this country 
uh, who has seen that documentary exactly how stupid the fact checkers sound, right? And it's becoming rather obvious, you know? So it's almost as if though, whatever was supposed to happen post-2020 was all for these moments. We've been having these moments. Didn't you notice, uh, my dear friends in the audience, we have been having these moments since 2020, where it's like, this is really obvious, you know, and if I can see it, and if they can see it, how many other people can see it that we're not aware of, right? I mean, and if it, if it's not... If it's not viewable by some individual who's asleep or willingly blind, you know that there's something at the back of their mind or the back of their soul that's telling them something's up, right? Something's up. So uh, we've had many of these moments. And like I said, it was a full room, right? And um, the, the response was so good even on the panel of state lawmakers uh, that were up there and uh, the hearing was um, led by Kelly Townsend, right? Good senator, you know, she is she is good. She is good for the people of Arizona. She's good for America, okay? I got no complaints about Kelly Townsend um, and she's always been election integrity, America first, all right, you know? Um, but anyhow, aside from that, uh, guys, um, uh, it was very well received and you could tell because, you know, when they opened up the panel for questions uh, uh, to ask for Catherine Engelbrecht or for Greg Phillips to answer, they didn't really ask questions other than, can you give me a copy of that, uh, of that uh, report? Or, you know, you have uh, a files or a set of information that you're giving out to like the AG and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, and, and other than that, it was just, a handful of gratitude was being extended to uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips by the Arizona Senate panel um, and represented the lawmakers. It was a it was a very very reassuring moment. Okay, uh, when when we start to hear all of these ideas, or we read the reports, or we read the stories, the headlines, the news, etc., about what could actually be going on in Arizona State House and, you know, whether or not they're actually going to move forward with, uh, you know, um, truly bringing an integritous election system for their constituents, which is extremely important because if Arizona can't do it at this point, can any other state, right? But there's still a lot of um, enthusiasm surrounding it, right? And every single member on that panel unless they are just so backwards and deceptive that later on they won't follow through. But every single member on that panel uh, was uh, thankful and um, they were also, they also had a willing spirit to pursue. So, you know, where they might've lost their luster after the forensic audit and this vast stillness, right? And emptiness and inactivity, it seems from the attorney general, because that's the next step for that process of an investigation from uh, the state house to the courthouse, right? Um, there's been nothing, right? So I, I really feel like 2000 Mules has revived and revitalized uh, um, that uh, will to pursue um, election integrity and expose the fraud, right? To whatever ends that means, you know, to expose that fraud to ensure that our elections are secure moving forward. The most important thing out of any of this is that factoid, uh, you know, because after, after elections, it's information, you know, once our elections are secure, we need to secure our information systems. But 
it just so happens that in order for us to secure our elections, we might have to secure our information systems first, okay? And uh, that that is where it seems that we are headed at this point. Uh, like I said, 2,000 Mules and the debunkers, the fact checkers, it, it, you know, 2,000 Mules just leaves them in the dust. You know, it leaves them in the dust because um, the fact checkers are showing their, uh, they're showing their intent um, either that or they are, sh you know what? No, yeah, even this way they're showing their intent by insulting or looking down or assuming that their readers don't know anything about geospatial, geotracking type of systems. You know, you know, it's either deceptive, it's desperate, or it's just condescending. And you know what? It might be all three of those when we're talking about the shamestream, lamestream, fake news, mockingbird propaganda media Ladies and gentlemen, it might just be all three of those facts. So, with that said, um, the uh, hearing wrapped up, uh, you know, about half past 7 p.m. And uh, we'll, we'll see where the State House takes that then. Because, you know, that's like an entire another package of fortitude that has landed on the Senate in the Elections Committee, right, with uh, Kelly Townsend and the rest of them. Uh, but then we still have to wait for A.G. Brnovich. You know, now, this is all I got to say about A.G. Brnovich. I was having a conversation um, via text with uh, uh, our good friend Java earlier today while I was riding back home, right, uh, on the way home from my errand, going to the doctors, etc. And uh, I had come across um, Greg Phillips' uh, Truth Social account. And uh, in one of his posts, he said, don't believe the naysayers, don't believe the black pillars. He didn't say black pillars, right? But that's what I thought, right? I immediately got very self-conscious. He was like, don't believe the naysayers who say A.G. Brnovich is doing nothing. And I was like, ah, Greg Phillips is talking about me for like, you know, uh, no, obviously, guys, he wasn't talking about me. And obviously, I didn't think that. But for a minute, I was like, am I contributing to this lack of faith in Attorney General Brnovich? So this statement he made, and I wish I could pull it up, but my phone is currently being used. Um, uh, it, it was it was something to the effect of don't pay attention to the naysayers and the doubters of A.G. Brnovich. Uh, he's like, um, and but here's the thing, right? When it came down to the arrests that happened in Yuma County in San Luis for the ballot trafficking, one of those occurred prior to 2000 Mules. The other one occurred just after the release of 2000 Mules. So it is, um, it's plausible that 2000 Mules had nothing to do with those arrests. As, and we reported about on it last week about those arrests in 2000 Mules. Uh, because after all, um, we also had a representative and a whistleblower that were working in conjunction with the Yuma County Sheriff's Office. And the, um, the original or the first uh, individual who was indicted on ballot harvesting and fraud, not trafficking, that comes from 2020. Um, and so it, it was well prior to 2000 Mules. But as a boon towards A.G. Brnovich, Greg Phillips stated that um, A.G. Brnovich actually has um, um, a satellite outpost in Yuma, and he is the one who is running that investigation. So that's a good thing, right? But then if you guys were watching the hearing today, they, they mentioned A.G. Brnovich and Greg Phillips didn't sound exactly the way he sounded about a week ago on his Truth Social telling him uh, not to believe the naysayers. He was like, well, we had this incident where the attorney general's office seems to have lost all the files that I gave them or the letter or whatever. 
some months ago when he first spoke with them. He spoke with them, I think, in 2021 at some point. And when he uh, caught back up with them to see if they were pursuing or what was going on or what the status was, uh, A.G. Brnovich's office was like, what file? We never received one from you. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will wait and see exactly what is going on with him. Right, Brnovich? And, you know, I just, I am content not to ever talk about Brnovich again until something that is clearly directional unfolds, guys. Because I told Java, I was like, I have flip-flopped on Brnovich so much. If he is really on the path of truth, righteousness, and justice, I am ready to eat crow. Because my flip-flopping was just an expression of my lack of faith, okay? So I deserve it, okay? I deserve to eat crow, okay? So I'm not going to say anything else about Brnovich. And if he ends up being right, I shall eat that crow. Just make sure that it's well done, all right? And we'll we'll do that, okay? <laughs> so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's report. It's going to be a, a short streamlined report. I just want to talk about the Durham trials because uh, last week, you know, when it was in the middle of it, you know, I wasn't able to get to it. Everything else was happening. More important news stories. I know Durham stories is important. Um, the Durham investigation, the Sussman trial, very, very important. We all know where it goes. Uh, we all know where it leads to, but we don't know the path forward unless we know how these trials are going. I would assess, right? Um, so as far as I'm concerned, every all the all the pragmatists out there are done. They're like, okay, Mr. C. Uh, you know, uh, Michael Sussman was acquitted, right? So let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and uh, just uh, drop it, okay? Like, n nothing's gonna change. It'll be business as usual. Armageddon's coming. And, uh, pray to Jesus, right? And I'm like, God only helps those who help themselves, right? Well, we did have one state. What is this? Oh, I forgot to, uh, forgot to restart my ticker here. Uh, Sussman. Yes, Sussman. That's whom we're talking about. And my, uh... That's what we're looking for. I'm like, my, my uh, photos are out of order here. Now, uh, President Trump only had one statement to say about this today, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, he had several statements, but we're only going to read this one for tonight. We'll catch up tomorrow. And uh, this is what President Trump had to say. Uh, he says, our legal system is corrupt. Our judges and justices are highly partisan, compromised or just plain scared. Our borders are open. Our elections are rigged. Inflation is rampant. Gas prices and food costs are through the roof. Our military leadership is woke. Our country is going to hell. And Michael Sussman is not guilty. How's everything else doing? Enjoy your day. Dang, man. I can tell you for a fact, if I got a memo like that from my boss, I would be shaking in my boots, okay? <laughs> I would be like, yeah, the boss is really mad, okay? So, you know, and here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. President Trump, you know, I'm sure he understands. I'm sure he knows. Ladies and gentlemen, um, it, dare, I, dare I say it, guys? Dare I say it? It has to be this way, okay? It has to be this way. What is this? What is going on here? <laughs> Why are we... The gremlins are in my monitor now. Okay, let me stop that. Okay. 
That's what I'm looking for. That's the man I'm looking for. The apparently uh, innocent Michael Sussman. Uh, President Trump has to know that it has to be this way. Has to be this way. Um, uh, undoubtedly, it has to be this way. Even for my most beautiful, souled pragmatists and pessimists. They need to understand it has to be this way, okay? Um, a lot of things have to be this way. You know, I think maybe we might have been mistaken whenever they said that the elections post-2020 will be secure, right? Uh, and, and then take that idea and apply it to every manner of concern about our country and how we're going to restore our republic and bring these people to justice, okay? Because if President Trump had won the 2020 election, and we know he did, but I mean, optically speaking, in front of everyone in the Associated Press, had actually won and taken a second term in office, optically speaking, in front of the general public and the rest of the world, we would still have corrupt elections. We would not have been able to get to the bottom of how they rig these elections, who is rigging these elections, and how deep that swamp hole goes, right? Good example, okay? What, but what, what, about, what about our, what about our, um, our, um, uh, our jurors? What about our judges? You know, what about when we're talking about uh, the rule of law and a republic and everything that that means, what about our judiciary? You know, our judiciary, after all, is what one of the three branches of our government. Now, call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure your awake Americans, all the way down to average Joe or Jane American, like we're talking low information, apathetic, doesn't care about politics or government or who's doing what and is totally immersed in the design that life has given them at this point. Call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure on, on that entire scale, everyone involved realizes and recognizes that, yeah, politicians are corrupt. Yeah, some presidents can be corrupt too. But what about our courts, right? Is that is that to be reserved for like, I don't know, some, um, you know, movie special or some uh, Hollywood television show wherein uh, you go from the big city and you go on a road trip and all of a sudden you're in some backwater, small county town with a very tiny jurisdiction. And it's that one county or town in all of America that's corrupt, right? Like, you know, they pull you over for going one mile over the speed limit. You know, they make up some bogus reason for giving giving you a ticket or taking you to jail and then you go before a kangaroo court and they throw you in jail and they strip you of all your rights. Is that what we think about corrupt courts, right? Well, I'm willing to bet that not everyone has that idea. I'm willing to bet that at least the majority of us realize that corruption can run much deeper than that. And I know that's a very, very polarized example of a corrupt jurisdiction. But what about in our three branches of government? You know, how do we handle that, okay? Because, you know, say uh, President Trump took the elections, right? And then uh, we can't figure out about the fraud because that never gets uncovered, okay? And then maybe someone, tr maybe say a Democrat tries to uh, uh, unravel something and, and comes up with all this bogus false information. Then you have a corrupt judge. It's like, you're right, Democrat. Trump did steal the elections, you know? And it boils down to a corrupt Juris, uh, a judiciary, a corrupt judiciary, 
you know, and uh, there are obvious remedies for, uh, you know, uh, um, taking care of a corrupt legislative branch or a corrupt executive branch, right? Impeachment, 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 you know, uh, hearings, investigations, committees, etc. But what about a corrupt judiciary? Okay. What about a corrupt judiciary? I think that is the biggest factor that has been staring all of us in the face at this point, you know? And so uh, the elections, nothing can be secure until we suss no, uh, no pun intended, Mr. Sussman, until we suss all of this stuff out, okay? And so my Garland Favorito moment for this particular trial, as angry as I am, trust me, guys, I felt a moment when I read the headlines, Michael Sussman acquitted. And I was like, what, what, what? Like, really? Like, really? Like, the the evidence was so glaringly, obviously in the face. Like, in the face! In the face! Like, it was so... It was, it was so egregious that this decision was made. And, 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 you know, I'm not saying that just because I'm a hyper-partisan, conservative, America-first, anti-Clinton, anti-globalist agent. You know, I'm saying that because any individual with no information who received the type of detail about what this man did from the memos to the communications to the witnesses to every to the receipts could see for themselves that this man lied to the FBI and the CIA and he had a client and that client authorized his involvement with the CIA and the FBI and getting it out to the newspapers. Okay, obvious, right? Lowest information, has a GED, may not even have graduated, could understand a case like this if it was presented on television, on Hallmark, and any type of station that appeases them, okay? Court TV, you know, anyone could have understood that what happened today is kind of questionable, you know? And, and that puts me at the point of where does that leave us? What is the next path forward? You know, uh, d- does does Durham seek an appeal, you know, because or does he seek a mistrial? Uh, and the judge, as you all know, um, uh, the judge, an Obama appointee, uh, uh, didn't he or his wife used to work with Sussman, you know? And then the jury... Even more so, right? Even more so with the jury, okay? So, uh, but there's a lot more questions I think can be asked about and presented in regards to the jury, okay? And we are going to talk about that before we end the show today. So, you know, hold on tight because uh, I'm gonna throw uh, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you guys, and I'm gonna see who's gonna catch it. Hey, casual GG17, what's going on? She says, Hey, Mr. C, corruption for many many decades takes time to clean a swamp. This is where we learn patience. You're right, a hundred percent, Miss Casual GG17. I think that when it comes down to Say, say God was like, um, uh, um, what do, what do my people need to learn, (laughs) right? (laughs) Gonna give us those lessons, right? Patience is a big one. You know, we might be all experiencing this so that we can learn the value of having patience. And I would say, and faith, (laughs) 
<laughs> patience and faith and maybe a dash of integrity, you know, um, because this is, this is, this is a mill right here, guys. Like if you were to take like the last two or three decades of scandal and, you know, and, uh, you know, criminal you know, uh, proceedings and the obvious corruption, etc., all of that stuff, it's like, we warp speeded that too, right? And now we're just getting it real quick, real quick, real quick. You know, we're getting we're getting the scandal, the investigation, the corruption, and the resolution. Or we're seeing exactly it going sideways. And now, since we see it, the question is, what are we going to do about it? Who Who's going to do something about it? How is this going to go through? Everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. And, you know, just like putting Kentangi Brown Jackson in the Supreme Court, right? Just like that is a good example, you know, where you have this woman who's obviously gone lenient on people who are into child pornography, who, who apologizes to the defendant for her having to sentence him because he has freaking child pornography and he has an obsession and a perverseness and, uh, you know, a, a perversion with children, you know, and then that person goes out and recommits, you know? corrupt the woman cannot even identify the word woman but even worse she cannot identify uh you know the, she cannot identify the type of individual being who they are through all of the documentation presented corrupt okay and, and that's just one small example you know we're seeing the media coming out corrupt we're seeing how they lie it's getting so obvious that the main flagships of that propaganda hardly even have an audience anymore. Now, what does that say? Yes, they're still on the television. Yes, they're still streaming. Yes, they're still on the radios. Yes, they're still out there. But they are zombie uh, legacy outlets. Like, no one is listening to them. No one is watching them. But they're a part of the apparatus, and so they are made to appear like they still belong, like they still are infallible, like they still have credibility, you know? Something else is going to have to take that out, but with the legacy press, everything since Trump, like Trump got the ball rolling. He was like, fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news, you know? Um, it, just some of the things that they don't show to Americans or the Western uh, audience is insane, okay? Insane. And I'll, I'll, I'll share more about, you know, screw it. You know, it's like today um, when I was on the bus, you know, I had a chance to, uh, you know, read, uh, watch some other shows. I turned on Tori Says and she had a clip on today, okay, about NATO and a meeting with President Trump, you know, and I've never seen this, guys. And President Trump was sitting at a dinner table with all of these NATO representatives, their heads of state for whatever, and he was asking them about why it is that America's paying for everything, and he was really drilling into Germany specifically. And in this, uh, in this exchange, he kept telling them, it makes no sense, it makes no sense that we're paying millions of dollars and higher percentages than any of you guys, particularly Germany, when we're, um, we're, we're, being, we're paying to protect Germany from Russia, but Germany is paying Russia 
billions of dollars and they have 70% uh, of their energy comes from Russia, but we're paying to protect Germany from Russia. It makes no sense. Why would we be paying to protect Germany from Russia when Germany's paying for 70% of their energy to come from Russia? And he's like, Russia owns Germany. Russia controls Germany. And they did all of these political dance maneuvers. And he was like, well, yeah, I know trade is good, but uh, let's face it. Uh, energy is different. You know, Germany is totally at the at the behest of Russia, and yet we're paying to protect Germany from Russia, but Russia can attack them and owns them at any point. And I was like, boom! I was like, I've never seen this before. The kind of things that the legacy press omits from their viewers, audience, constituents. You, you might as well call them constituents at this point, right? We don't vote for them, but they sure seem to control everything else, you know? Insane, guys. Insane. So that's what I'm talking about, their l loss of credibility, right? It, it's very obvious right now, very obvious that that is what is going on. So, you know, uh, with the judiciary, you know, the judiciary, it's it's all coming out to where it's is it just more recognizable now? Is it just that we can see it more now? Or is it that it's that glaringly obvious what they're doing? You know, uh, it's we're at this we, we're at this fluctuation point where every single thing that was hidden from us before is just it's becoming obvious. You know, what happened today in the Sussman trial was obvious, ladies and gentlemen. It was obvious. And it, it you know, that half the world isn't scoffing over it. <laughs> well, you know, it had to be this way, right? I don't know. Where is this path going to lead? I, I couldn't tell you, you know, we have other factors to consider what it means that Sussman was acquitted, that he was found innocent. I, I would have to, I would have to really read into that more to find out exactly what that means. Other than the fact that uh, all of the left leftists are probably celebrating, um, you, you know, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton can sleep a little easier tonight if she sleeps and, uh, you know, all of the black pillars and everyone out there is like, I told you, I told you, uh, thank you for the can one, two, three SKG. And thank you for the can Dixie. Good to see you both in the audience. Um, have a good night, 123SKG, and yes, uh, check out the podcast. I will be uploading today's Senate hearing in Arizona for True the Vote. I'll be uploading that onto the podcast also, and tonight's episode will probably be available eh, maybe before the sun rises, if not early on tomorrow. Um, let's see. Hey, the Speaking Easy, what's going on? Good evening. Good to see you, and thanks for popping in. Glad you guys could join us. You know, uh, I'm on late, so I don't know. Uh, I apologize to my, my regular afternoon early audience, like, because, uh, you know, the, most of them are probably asleep already. Uh, but anyhow, anyhow, so uh, let's get into this, guys. Um, we're going to just go briefly kind of over the last bits of this trial leading up to the acquittal, obviously, because, you know, uh, I like for the sake of, you know, sh uh, 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 continuity, you know, fluid storytelling, uh, I need to make sure that we don't just skip all over everything because Sussman was acquitted, right? You know, the audience, the podcast audience and the people who are listening to this and not getting their information from anywhere else is probably going to be wondering what the hell happened between last Wednesday and today, Mr. C. You never shared that information with us. Uh, but we'll start here with um, Sussman's, um, um, Sussman's acquittal, right? Okay, so uh, at the close of Friday, 
last week before they uh, uh, were released for the holiday weekend. Uh, this is what we had going on. Uh, just for everyone else to know and catch up, prosecutors urged jurors to convict ex-Clinton lawyer while the defense claimed that there was reasonable doubt. It says prosecutors and defense lawyers agreed on one point on May 27th that former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman told the FBI he was not bringing claims about Donald Trump on behalf of the client, but diverged on whether the statement was a lie and whether it was repeated. I'm, you know, if I remember that juror, jury, and maybe I'm biased, but based on what they shared, if you're looking just at the source material in the documents... I would be like, yeah, he lied. He said to this person that he was coming as a goodwill Samaritan. And he said to that person that he had no, um, he was not, he had no client, you know? And please don't tell me that just because the FBI and the CIA both knew he had a client that technically he wasn't lying because then the onus shifts to the three letter agencies. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, I would like to uh, congratulate you all on making it to the end of act one. We are now entering into Act 2. Okay? All right. With that said, the article continues. Sussman of Perkins Coie texted then-FBI lawyer James Baker on September 18th, 2016. He said he had something time-sensitive and sensitive to discuss and that he was not coming forward on behalf of a client. The next day, Sussman met with Baker at FBI headquarters in Washington. During the meeting, Sussman handed over three white papers and two thumb drives that allegedly showed Donald Trump, with whom Clinton was vying for the presidency, had a secret communications channel with Russia. The information set off an FBI investigation and later a CIA probe, both of which concluded the allegations were unsubstantiated. Sussman was charged with lying to the FBI, a charge that carries up to five years in jail. What Sussman did was as serious a national security, uh, a serious national security lawyer, deliver what he thought to be credible data to the FBI to give them a heads up. Sean Berkowitz, a lawyer for Sussman, said during closing arguments, it was it was not about national security, said Jonathan Algor, a prosecutor with special counsel John Durham's team. It was about promoting opposition research against the opposition candidate, Donald Trump. So what happened during those meetings? Only Sussman and Baker were in the September 19th, 2016 meeting, which lasted about 30 minutes. Baker has said he took no notes. Therefore, prosecutors relied on Baker to testify as to what Sussman said. Baker testified that Sussman repeated what he'd said over text, that he was not bringing the information on behalf of a client. A lie, right? A lie. That is a lie documented. He said that he was not appearing before me on behalf of any particular clients and that he had information of concern regarding a surreptitious communication channel between Alpha Bank and some servers in the United States, said Baker, who met Sussman while both worked for the government and who has described Sussman as a friend. I'm 100% confident that he said that. Al Gore told jurors that Sussman hid his ties to the Clinton campaign and Rodney Joffe, a technology executive and a confidential FBI source who has said he was promised a position in a Clinton administration to make sure the FBI investigated the Trump-Russia claims. Prosecutors also cited notes taken by Bill Priestap, uh, 
and Trisha Anderson, two FBI officials of conversations they had with Baker shortly after Sussman left. Both sets of notes state that Baker's source said he was not coming on behalf of any clients. A lie in triplicate. Berkowitz told jurors that the defense does not dispute the authenticity of the text message, but Baker may not be accurately recalling the meeting the next day. Oh, 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 so now it falls on Baker having what? Some type of uh, 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 bad memory, right? But Baker may not. Okay, so uh, that's what Berkowitz said, pointing to how Baker said in 2018 that he did not specifically remember Sussman saying he was not acting on behalf of a client. But didn't he say, I am 100% confident that is what he said? So at this point, you got to be asking yourself, what's going on with the jury, right? Okay, so uh, Berkowitz uh, told jurors the defense uh, did not dispute the authenticity. But Baker said during the trial, he was 100% sure that Sussman did say that. Oh, well, you know, apparently myself and the article agree on this point. Um, Berkowitz claimed that it was highly unlikely that his client repeated the statement from the text in the meeting and said the government had not proven beyond a reasonable doubt that he did. He pointed to, you know what, maybe the judge should have asked the impaneled jurists, maybe he should ask them, do you have memory problems? Does anyone in your family have memory problems? Did anyone suffer from uh, a lack of uh, synapse connectors? Because if they did, and if you did, you cannot be on this trial, because apparently that seems to be what the defense went with. Or maybe this was the point that rang most clearly and truly to the jurors, and, and, and they were like, you know, my, my Meemaw had memory problems. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure Baker could have memory problems too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Lord. Uh, it says he pointed to notes from a 2017 Department of Justice meeting, which said that the source for the Trump Russia claims was a lawyer acting on behalf of a client. The statement itself was not material. Berkowitz also claimed he said that the allegation stemmed from a cyber expert, Joffe, and that they were brought in by a respected national security lawyer, Sussman. Even if the source and representation had been made clear, the allegations would have been taken seriously, he said. Baker testified that if he knew Sussman was representing the Clinton campaign, he would have not met with Sussman alone or at all. Sussman took the same information and additional data to a second government agency in 2017. CIA records show that Sussman told a retired agent he had information from a client, but during a subsequent meeting with actual agents, Sussman said he was not re representing a client. So the jury's like, well, he initially said he was representing a client, you know, Berkowitz focused on the first part while prosecutors zeroed in on what was said during the meeting. Now, here's another factoid that I think this is, this is there, this is not just the smoking gun. This is, these are the bullets recovered from the corpse, right? These are the bullets that the morticians dug out of the cadaver these billing records, okay, the billing records, it, it, it's ridiculous to think that after all of this, I mean, after all, Durham did not indict Sussman on lying to the CIA. Why not? Probably because in the initial, um, in, the sec in the meeting and not the initial contact, Sussman lied, but in the initial contact, he said he had a client. So there you have your reasonable doubt, right? Well, he did say when he contacted them, he had a client. He just 
didn't mention it during the meeting, you know? So I get it, Durham. Now I see why he wasn't charged with lying to two agencies. Reasonable doubt, right? You can reasonably doubt that he did not mean to lie because he initially told them. But with the FBI and in a text to his best friend over there that was the acting counsel for the FBI, he said specifically that he was not representing a client specifically and more than one time okay and then that was repeated by his dear friend to other agents in the same agency so that is a lie bold-faced right there now if you take the cia's position or their part in this entire drama out we still have these billing records okay we still have these billing records what are the billing records one might ask well if you've been paying attention you know if you're part of my audience and haven't been paying attention you're about to find out it says, Al Gore, the prosecutor, brought the jury's attention back to the billing records from Sussman, showing he purchased flash drives on September 13th, 2016, from a Staples around the corner from his office. The charge for those thumb drives was billed to Clinton's campaign. I guess for whom he was not, um, you know, working for. The government also introduced records showing Sussman billed 0.4 hours to the campaign for a meeting with Mark Elias, the campaign's counsel, regarding server issue. On July 31st, 2016, 4.4 hours for a set of meetings with Elias and others described as involving revisions to white paper. On September 6th, 2016, 6.6 .6 hours for multiple meetings regarding confidential project and for drafting a white paper on September 14th, 2016, and 3.3 .3 hours for work and communications regarding confidential project on September 2016. All billed to Hillary Clinton's campaign for America. Okay. Now, if anything, communications, extrapolations of, 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 of messages and, and phone texts and, and notes from uh, meetings, etc. If all of that were to be dismissed and we, all we had was the lie no client was being represented. No client was currently uh, on 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 a on like a payroll. You know that right there proves that he was lying. I mean, he would have to be bringing an entirely different case and concern to Baker and the FBI in order for this not to be a lie. You know. He would have to have an entirely different project for Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton's campaign for this not to be a lie. Why would you uh, bill uh, Hillary Clinton for uh, a confidential project, a white paper, and uh, communications regarding this confidential project, Michael Sussman? Uh, because I was working on um, a gardening project uh, for Bill's birthday or some crap like that. You know, like, it would have to be totally different. 100% nothing to do with President Trump or opposition research or any of the other characters who have been implicated and named in this entire process. So again, the question goes, what about the jury, right? We'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, whoops, wrong button. 
Uh, article continues. The defendant is working uh, is working the alpha allegations and billing it to the Clinton campaign, Al Gore said. You heard the defense make the argument that the defendant was working for the Clinton campaign and everyone knew it. But when he went to that meeting, he stepped out of that role. He was no longer representing Rodney Joffe or the Clinton campaign. He was doing it as a good citizen. But look at how the defendant bills his time. And even with that statement, guys, even with that statement, everyone knew he was working for the Clinton campaign. And probably so did everyone on the jury, since they're all like, uh, I don't know, you know, a Democrat donors and uh, friends and family, the Sussman family and, and the Clinton campaign. And not to mention the judge. They're like, well, we all knew that, you know, <laughs> they're like, it's OK. It's OK that he lied because uh, guess what? We're in on it, you know. So, yeah, that's why that's why my blood pressure went up just a little bit, like for like maybe five minutes after I read that headline. And it's a good thing that I was done with my doctor's visit because my blood pressure was actually doing good. Okay. <laughs> so had I gone to the doctor after reading that headline, they'd be like, your blood pressure is pretty high. You know, <laughs> I've been working on it, doctor, but these darn juries and corrupt judges in DC just cannot seem to find the light or God. You know, they have not come to Jesus yet. <laughs> okay. So anyways, anyways, let's finish this uh, recap here. Uh, Clinton campaign officials insisted during testimony that, that they did not approve of Sussman going to the FBI and Berkowitz cast doubt on the records, noting that Sussman had not billed, uh, been billed for a meeting with the FBI for the meeting with Baker. The record showed Sussman worked for the Clinton campaign on spreading the claims to the media, not to the FBI, Berkowitz alleged. No one from uh, the campaign asked him to go or authorized him to go, and it was not in their interest. <laughs> But we all know what Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager said. She authorized the information be released to the media. Okay, so I guess Berkowitz is saying here, well, she might have authorized it to the media, but she didn't authorize Sussman to do it. He also said that there would have been little benefit for Joffe from Sussman going on his behalf to the FBI. Joffe, who did not testify, separately went to an FBI friend and told him of some of the information that prosecutors say Sussman passed to Baker on behalf of Joffe and the Clinton campaign. It was revealed during the trial Joffe was axed by the Bureau as a source in 2021, apparently due to how he acted regarding the Trump-Russia claims. Now, does any of this information absolve the fact that Michael Sussman told the FBI one thing and that was a lie? If we were to just take that one pinpoint of, um, of information, does anything that was just said absolve the fact that he lied to the FBI, which is what he was standing trial for? It doesn't. It doesn't. It does not absolve it at all. The fact of the matter is he was uh, Clinton was on the payroll or he was on her payroll. OK, he went with information that would have benefited the Clinton campaign. He acted on it and he lied about it to the FBI. Point blank, period. That's all that matters. You know, everything else is fluff until the future trials or future indictments. Maybe then that will it will be pertinent. But in the case of Mike, uh, Michael Sussman lying to the FBI, all of this other stuff is immaterial. But somehow, 
uh, it seems to have affected the jury. Okay. Uh, Berkowitz later brought up Sussman told members of Congress in 2017 that he went to Baker on behalf of a client, but alleged the testimony was taken out of context. Prosecutors said the billing records were damning evidence, noting that the thumb drives were not billed to the campaign until three days after Sussman handed over the information to the FBI. Some cases are close calls, and this was one of them, according to Andrew DeFilippis, part of Durham's team. This is not a close case. You do have proof beyond reasonable doubt, he said. And uh, that looks like uh, the team for John Durham. Is that not a handsome looking team? All right. So yeah, verdict not till next week. We got the verdict. Jury finds former Clinton campaign lawyer not guilty of lying to the FBI. On Tuesday, May 31st, you know, uh, in regards to the Michael Sussman case, you died on a Tuesday, right? A jury on May 31st found former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman not guilty of lying to the FBI. Um, let's see here. Uh, what, what is this sentence? Uh, Sussman wrote, yeah, we, we already know about that stuff, so we're not going to go through it again. Um, both Sussman and his firm later acknowledged he was bringing the information on behalf of a client, though they claimed it was not on behalf of a client. Trump's 2016 presidential rival. Um, Sussman also represented New Star executive Rodney Joffe, whose company was contracted to monitor DNS activity for the executive office. Okay. Um, prosecutors say Sussman worked with Rodney Joffe, who said he was promised a position in a potential client administration. And the Clinton campaign to promote in the Clinton campaign to promote the information to the FBI in an attempt to sway the election. Okay. Robbie Mook is the one who testified that Clinton approved the plan to spread the allegations herself. Just recaps. Um, and well, you know, point point being the jury found it found him innocent, acquitted. Okay. Um, and even just as a mention, guys, of what we're gonna move into. The jury reportedly included several Clinton donors who were kept as jurors despite objections by pr prosecutors. It also included a woman whose daughter is on the same crew team as Sussman's daughter. Okay. And, and let's not forget about uh, the judge, Christopher Cooper himself, and his uh, connections to the Sussman family and being an appointee of a progressive Democrat so socialist, um, one Barack Hussein Obama. Okay. Uh, I mean, we still have Igor Danchenko to look forward to at this point, guys, which is October 11th is the date for that trial to happen, October 11th. Uh, and really, there's no telling where else this is going to go, you know. Um, after all, we have a lot of implications on the part of the FBI, right? So maybe Michael Sussman is acquitted, but my, um, John Durham's first indictment... A speaking indictment, ladies and gentlemen, laid out the case in front of everyone, right? Laid out the case and, and slowly unraveled through all of that course, the involvement of more agencies, more actors, more operatives. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. 
At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report. Check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com, that's www.thecereport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, CloutHub, and Pilt.net. So yes, Durham's investigation, what about the FBI's implications? Because they are definitely there. Oh, hey, we got a lot of peeps hanging out right now. What's going on, guys? What you guys doing up so late, huh? <laughs> Let me pop in and say hello real quick. Philly Q, good evening. Good evening, dear Philly Q. How are you doing tonight? Thank you for gifting the cookie. Two rivers in the house. All right. How's they pick their jurors? Was it with Dominion help or Go Ogle's help? Actually, Two Rivers, it was with neither of their help. I'm going to tell you and show you how they did it. Some of you guys might know how they did it. After all, we've talked about it before in a previous episode a long time ago. Um, so get ready, guys, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you exactly how I believe it was done. Okay? 100%. All right? And I will preface it by saying this issue could have been taken care of a long time ago if only we had been listening okay ooh how ominous right they're like uh oh mr c's going to come at us with something um tuvers also says they were all washington dc deep state employees marxist democrats uh, leaning yeah i don't doubt that at all two rivers but the question is how is it possible that all of them were Democrat, Marxist, uh, you know, agents, you know, believers, followers, partisans. How is it possible by any percentage that they would end up with a jury of people who saw it their way? Hmm? Hmm? You think Go Ogle did that? Hmm? <laughs> do you think, um, do you think, um, 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 Dominion did that? No, Dominion. Dominion just Dominion just provides entirely hackable machines, right? That's all that Dominion does. The rest of the operation around Dominion is taken care of either via satellite or via your local Secretary of State. Okay, let's not give Dominion much more credit than they deserve, which is you create create bunk machines that help rig elections. Once you get other operating systems, you know actually they are the operating systems. They are the hardware, right? Uh, print your ballot here, print your ballot here, you know, uh, uh, rig your ballot. And, and by the way, you can hack into our system, but you need all of the uh, you need all of the remote and the software systems in order to make Dominion a, an effective hackable machine. Right. But it wasn't Dominion. Right. It was not Dominion. Oh, we got a name, ladies and gentlemen. We have a name of the company that helped rig this jury. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. OK, Um Factoid says to Rivers, Sussman is dirty and it ain't over. He will be charged on discovery of crimes anyhow related to Hillary's plots. That is a, that is, that is a beautiful Garland Favorito moment to Rivers. And I appreciate that. And it's true. So there's many other things to look at. There's many other avenues of justice to follow this. Okay. My concern right now, most clearly is 
bringing to justice these corrupt courts and exposing how they do it. That's what I want to come out of this, if anything, you know, and I don't know what's going to open up that conversation. I don't think it's going to be this broadcast. I don't think it's going to be my show, obviously, that does it. But maybe, maybe one of the other major alternative independent news sources will uh, figure it out or maybe they'll unbury a bit of information that was given to them a few years ago that they ignored. Okay, and maybe one of them will be able to crack it. My show ain't going to do it, guys. Anyways, okay, so, but my concern here is exposing and bringing to justice the corrupt judiciary that is currently ruling in this country. That's my concern out of this case right now. Um, let's see here. Uh, thanks for passing the link. Speak on easy. Appreciate it. <laughs> Executive Mod Squad. Hey, C's Today 9-11. How you doing? Uh, Cisa Day Nonetheless says, I can deal with the verdict because I think there's more to come. So, exactly so. Um, but can't stand the uh, legacy media gloating. They did not cover it until now. Yeah, that is true, guys. That is true, Cisa Day 911. And I appreciate your Garland Favorito moment as well. I really like the vibe that I'm getting out of this verdict is not a pessimistic, negative, pragmatic attitude. Ah, this always happens, Mr. C. Ah, it's just business as usual. Ah, yeah. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know that you guys are still in um, optimal spirits about the direction or possible directions that this could go. Thank you for the clarification, Two Rivers. You did not mean literally Dominion, but perhaps a Dominion-like system. Well, the system we're going to talk about in a little bit is not hackable, but it is completely controllable, right? So let's talk about the uh, FBI real quick, just to, uh, you know, keep all of the possibilities open and fresh and front of mind. Um, after Michael Sussman's acquittal, who will hold the FBI accountable? Good question. The Russiagate saga began in early 2016 as a scheme by Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign to vilify her rival Donald Trump as an agent of the Kremlin. Clinton's scheme comprised two prongs, former British spy Christopher Steele's fictitious dossier and Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman's false Alpha Bank data. While special counsel John Durham's Russiagate investigation... Uh, having focused on those two prongs is now in a in serious jeopardy with the acquittal of Sussman. Very little attention has been paid to how the FBI weaponized Clinton's scheme to turn up the heat on Trump. Documents made public at Sussman's trial add to a growing body of evidence that Clinton's scheme gradually converged with FBI's leadership's own scheme. What started out as a political smear campaign carried out by a political candidate became co-opted by the nation's top law enforcement agency to not only damage a sitting president, but to try to remove him from office. As nefarious as the Clinton campaign scheme was, the FBI's conduct was much worse. By the time the FBI opened its crossfire hurricane investigation into the Trump campaign on July 31st, 2016, supposedly because of a tip it had received three days earlier from an Australian diplomat, the Clinton campaign scheme to vilify Trump as a Russian agent and the FBI's own efforts against Trump had started to amalgamate. You see, the Clinton campaign and the FBI were going to get President Trump in a pincer move. A, a pincer move, darling. They were going to flank him. 
and both were bogus and both failed. Steele, who had been hired by Clinton operatives at Fusion GPS in May 2016, passed an early dossier report to his FBI handler on July 5th, 2016. That dossier report established the narrative that the Kremlin had Trump compromised. Steele's FBI handler, Michael Gaeta, passed Steele's dossier report to an FBI colleague in the New York office, who then passed it up, to, up the ladder to the FBI's counterintelligence team. Later in July 2016, Gaeta received two additional reports from Steele that he also sent up his chain of command. Officially, the dossier did not reach the FBI Crossfire Hurricane team investigating the Trump campaign until two months later on September 19, 2016. Unofficially, Steele's conspiracy theories had made their way up the FBI chain within weeks of Gaeta getting the first report. According to the Inspector General's report on the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, high-level FBI officials were already aware of the dossier's existence, including at FBI headquarters. Further evidence that an informal FBI investigation was well underway before the Australian diplomat's tip arrived comes in the form of text messages between the FBI's then counter-espionage chief, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page, counsel for FBI director Andrew McCabe. In one exchange dated July 27, 2016, Strzok and Page talked about opening a case on Trump. On July 28, 2016, intelligence services shared intercepted communications with then-President Barack Obama, claiming that Clinton had green-lighted a scheme to vilify Trump with false accusations of Russia collusion. During Sussman's trial, Clinton's campaign manager, Robbie Mook, confirmed that Clinton had green-lighted the leak of the false allegations to the media. But the FBI ignored the intelligence. A day later, on July 29, 2016, the two prongs of Clinton's scheme converged when the main protagonists met at the law offices of Perkins Coie, in Washington. Attendees included Sussman, Steele, the heads of Fusion GPS, and lead camp Clinton campaign lawyer Mark Elias. Sounds like the enemies of humanity and liberty all meeting together, right? <clears throat> it was at that meeting, according to testimony by Steele to a British court, that he was told about the Alpha Scheme. These allegations were then included in a memo by Steele dated September 14th, 2016, just days before Sussman would take the Alpha Bank data to the FBI. Steele, you know, that's even further evidence that he had a freaking attorney, I mean, a client. Steele testified in a British court that Sussman provided him with other claims about Alpha Bank's purported ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin during a late July 2016 meeting. While the two prongs of the Clinton campaign's dirty tricks uh, campaign against Trump had merged, they had not yet been fully integrated into the FBI's leadership's own plans to pursue Trump. That would happen two months later on September 19th, 2016. The day when Sussman took the false Alpha Bank data to the FBI. It was the scheme, it was the same day the FBI officially received the Steele dossier. Sussman's data was almost immediately dismissed by FBI cyber analysts the day after Sussman's visit. Lead cyber agent Scott Hellman mocked Sussman's data in text messages sent to his unit leader, Nate Batty. 
In one of the messages, Hellman sarcastically wrote that if he wanted to open a secret communications channel, he would not call it scott.hellmanemail.com, deriding the fact that Sussman's alpha data had used the address mail1.trump-email.com, an address that had not been used since 2019, but suddenly saw a flurry of activity just before Sussman took his data to the FBI. Despite the fact that Sussman's Alpha Bank story was obviously fabricated, FBI leadership overruled their cyber experts and ordered their Chicago office, far away from their own cyber group, to open a full investigation. Soon after, in October 2016, the FBI obtained a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump campaign via foreign policy advisor Carter Page. That warrant was obtained on the basis of the fraudulent Steele dossier. By this time, it was clear that the Clinton campaign and the FBI were pursuing the same goal. All the various schemes had merged into one big scheme to get Trump. When Trump won the 2016 election, despite the smears, the FBI's actions shifted into overdrive. Trump may well have won because the corporate media, which at the same time still by and large adhere to journalistic standards. What? Really? Okay, whatever, whatever Epoch Times. Never fully embrace the Clinton campaign's dirty tricks. Most media outlets refuse to run with the Steele dossier because they could not confirm any of its stories. Oh, they must not be referring to CNN or MSNBC, right? The New York Times refused to endorse the Alpha Bank story for the same reason, even conceding that there could be an innocuous explanation like a marketing email or spam, which is exactly what it ended up being for the computer contacts. FBI leadership understood that in order for any scheme to succeed, the media needed a new hook. And Deputy Director McCabe, who later admitted to lying about his media contacts, knew how to provide that hook. When the intelligence community wrote its post-election intelligence community assessment of alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election, McCabe insisted on including the Steele dossier. Rank and file analysts did not agree, as nothing in the dossier had been confirmed. A compromise was reached whereby a summary of Steele's dossier was included in the assessment. The thrust of the summary was that Trump had been compromised by Putin. This was good enough for the FBI. By including it in a formal intelligence community report, the FBI ensured that the dossier obtained legitimacy. FBI Director James Comey then briefed Trump on the dossier on January 6, 2017. The fact that Trump had been briefed was then leaked to CNN, which reported the story. From then on, there was only one topic for the media, and that was the dossier, including all of its salacious lies. The FBI had successfully weaponized the Clinton campaign's dirty trick. Even the false Alpha Bank story made a comeback in the media. In fact, the FBI knew that both prongs of Clinton's dirty tricks were bogus. The Alpha case had been shut down in January of 2017. At the same time, the Steele dossier was exposed as a fraud by Igor Danchenko, Steele's primary subsource. Yet, FBI leadership persisted in their investigation of Trump. On March 4, 2017, Trump wrote on Twitter that he knew he had been spied on. 
Two days later, a panicked FBI and their Department of Justice supervisors convened a meeting to discuss Trump's Twitter post. It was at this meeting that FBI leaders such as McCabe gave their DOJ counterparts a rosy status report on their investigation, concealing the fact that all investigative leads had collapsed. Crazy, guys. Through their deceit, FBI leadership was able to convince their DOJ superiors to approve a public announcement that the Trump campaign was under investigation for Russia collusion. That bombshell announcement was made by FBI Director James Comey on March 20th, 2017. The FBI's efforts culminated in May 2017 with the appointment of Robert Mueller as special counsel. Ultimately, Trump hung on, but the damage caused by the FBI's assault on him was immense. His first few years in office were consumed by Mueller and the fake scandal. Crucially, Trump was not able to deliver on his campaign promise to seek better relations with Russia. Every time Trump tried to engage Russia, the media and the Washington establishment lashed out. Pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, these are things that we all know, guys, and have known. But um, the general population and for individuals who adhere to what comes out of the courts as... Uh, final and cemented, this is going to really, really beg some questions out of the people, I think. So I think it is safe to say that it's not over yet. It is not over yet. Not at all. Question becomes, will Durham pursue anyone else? And if he does, who's it going to be, right? Who is it going to be? Um, let's see here. Next article on other ideas of uh, indictments or, um, you know, further uh, prosecution. Uh, will Durham pursue private operatives? Good question, right? What's this about? The looming question is whether those bigger fish will involve anyone bigger than Sussman, who was, after all, a leading campaign lawyer for Clinton. There are two broad categories of people who may be in Durham's sights. First, there are private actors, people from outside the government who push the Clinton campaign smears against Trump. A number of Clinton operatives were implicated as part of the case against Sussman, including Joffe, Clinton lead campaign lawyer Mark Elias, and Fusion GPS co-founders Peter Fritsch and Glenn Simpson. Fusion GPS is the political consulting firm that coordinated with Sussman to push false stories about Trump into the media. We also heard testimony that Clinton herself greenlighted the scheme to use the press to vilify Trump with false accusations of Russia collusion. But will any of these people face consequences? The person most likely in Durham's crosshairs is Joffe, who is remarkably offered a top government job in the case of a Clinton election victory, which may have been what motivated him to get involved in the scheme. Joffe was also the person who brought the false Alphabank data to his attorney, Michael Sussman, who later took it to the FBI. 
Uh, during the past two weeks, we learned that after setting things in motion with Sussman, Joffe took things into his own hands by taking the same fake alpha data that Sussman brought to the FBI General Counsel Baker to FBI agent Tom Grasso. Joffe told Grasso that he got the info from a reporter and that Grasso should keep Joffe's name secret. In essence, with Sussman's help, Joffe was creating the appearance of two separate information streams into the FBI when in fact all the fake data was coming from Joffe himself. What a greedy son bitch, right? The scheme was simple, effective, and devious. First, Sussman would get the FBI to investigate Trump, and then Joffe would come in independently to back Sussman's fake story. During Grasso's testimony, it was also revealed that Joffe was a confidential human source for the FBI and that he worked on Russian-related cyber matters. There was at least a suggestion that Joffe might have had a role in, uh, in the alleged Russian hacking of the Democrat National Committee in May 2016. If Joffe was involved in shaping the narrative of the alleged hacking, it would cast yet more doubt on the flimsy yet prevailing conclusion that the Russian government was responsible. Download speeds, ladies and gentlemen. Download speeds debunk that immediately unless there was a Russian doll who was hacking the DNC in person themselves. Um, let's see here. So jo Joffe obviously thus far has not been charged. Why was Joffe not charged? Two possibilities. Either Durham messed up and let the statute of limitations lapse, or Durham has far more serious charges in mind for Joffe than lying to the FBI. Ha ha ha! Durham has made mistakes, but it's unlikely he got this wrong. Major fraud against the United States government has a seven-year statute of limitations, and maybe what Durham is contemplating for Joffe. What about Clinton and her top lieutenants? Not much was said about Jake Sullivan. Clinton's 2016 campaign foreign policy advisor and current national security advisor who is pushing the Russia hoax during the 2016 campaign. However, Clinton's campaign manager, Robbie Mook, was on the witness stand and he testified that Clinton was personally briefed on the Trump-Russia nonsense and gave the green light to hand, it, hand the info to the media. While Mook's admission is significant in that, for the first time, there is unequivocal evidence that directly ties Clinton to the Russiagate hoax. It is not a crime to lie to the media. Mook claimed he did not know the false data was being given to the FBI, nor did he state that Clinton knew. Will Durham pursue government actors? That still leaves the public actors, in particular people like former FBI Director James Comey, former FBI Director Andrew McCabe, and former FBI Counter-Espionage Director Peter Strzok. Through Stussman's lawyers, who spent most of their time casting doubt on the FBI, we found out that the FBI's leadership was rooting for the fake scandal. An internal message revealed the following. People on the seventh floor, to include the director, are fired up about this server. I bet you he was, right? Okay, and so we already went through all of the FBI's uh, top leadership and how they're being implicated in the previous article, so we don't got to go through this, okay? But indeed, the questions remain. Will any of these other bad actors be pursued? I would like to think... They will be, right? Um, you know, it's like how much pressure comes out of the tire 
because Sussman was acquitted. You know, uh, uh, was there not a quick sealing patch internally, right? That is, it's okay, Sussman. You might have gotten out of this, but at least I got to lay the case out and I used you as a pawn, Sussman, right? You mean nothing to me, says John Durham. You mean nothing to me, Sussman. You were but a pawn in the greater reveal, right? He was a pawn in revealing all of this other information. All of this information that could not be written about beyond a shadow of a doubt had any of this not been submitted to the courts as official documentation about the findings of his investigation, right? So perhaps Sussman, I mean, he could have been like, Durham could have been like, I'm going to go for the FBI, like right out the gates, right? And oh, they, they would have found a way. I, I cannot imagine a way how, but they would have found a way to have dismissed it, acquitted it, thrown it out, whatever, you know, or found some hole in the story. But by dangling the bait of a uh, helpless Michael Sussman in front of everyone, and now the media is reporting on it, as Seize the Day 9-11 said in the uh, audience there. I can't handle that. Now the, now the media is talking about it. Well, here's our Garland Favorito moment on that Seize the Day 9-11. Now the media has acknowledged that what? There was a trial involving Clinton and a fake Russia. What? And so now they'll be all, yay, Clinton won. Yay, Trump, Trump, Trump this and Trump that. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And now when it comes back into trial, maybe they won't be able to ignore it because they just reported on it. And then everyone who still watches their shows is going to be like, well, I heard that. I thought that I thought that, that they were acquitted for this Trump thing. And now I'm hearing it's back in court. What's going on here, CNN, MSNBC? Why aren't you telling us about it? Don't leave us hanging, CNN and MSNBC, says their zombie audience. Please let us know. And who knows, maybe they'll be forced to report the future proceedings, right? There's still the Igor Danchenko case. So um, maybe they'll have to, they'll be forced to report on that. I mean, they probably won't, you know, if we're being realistic and pragmatic, but there's always that case, right? There's always that case. So there's that, guys. There's that. I think the number one question now is about this Rodney Joffe guy. That's right, Rodney Joffe, not to be confused with Joffe Joffer. <laughs> oh my goodness. And yes, Sul Sullivan is extremely dirty. Admits to being a liar, a lying liar, Sullivan does. He needs to get his ass back stateside so he can answer some questions, ladies and gentlemen. I think that is what needs to happen with him. Uh, let me see here. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's see. Where are we at on time? Let me see. Um, I think we're doing... Let's get into the jury, guys. Okay, let's get into the jury. I think that should wet and wet our whistles and sustain us enough as for possible future occurrences, indictments, um, trials um, per Durham. I don't think this is over yet by far. Ladies and gentlemen, don't think it was over yet by far. Oh, it only affected my blood pressure for a very short while. Okay, so. But I knew today was going to be a busy day, right? Once I read that. And so uh, that's why we're here late tonight, guys. It has been indeed a busy day. So the question that's now really coming up, at least in my mind, and I think it's actually not even a question, really. It's rather obvious is, was this a rigged jury? You know, was this jury rigged? And if so, how is it rigged? And um, who rigged it, right? Well, 
I don't know if I could answer all of those questions. I'm going to attempt to, uh, which is all based on just, um, you know, uh, knowledge of previous stories and you know, possibilities of the way things are done. Okay. But what we can start with for sure, ladies and gentlemen, is, uh, is that we can start with um, the fact that uh, there was some um, there was some untoward things going on with this jury, right? Like if we go back to the um, Ghislaine Maxwell trial, for example, you know we uh, we knew uh, some of the process of the jury selection, and then this what jury juror number fifty five or whatever pops up, and apparently he had lied, you know. So uh, a lot of things going on there. But during the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, did we have any, I don't know, uh, supporters of the royal crown? You know, did we have anyone who works for like, um, who works against uh, child molesters? Or do we have any law enforcement members that specializes in the anti-pedophile units, right? You know, the, uh, who, uh, who work against human trafficking? Do we have any uh, people who donate to human trafficker organizations to stop them, right? On the panel? No, right? Did we have anyone? One who is uh, related to um, related to Ghislaine Maxwell, or or you know maybe maybe it was one of uh, I don't know Ghislaine Maxwell. She was one of their friends, or they went to a party that Ghislaine hosted one time, or you know no none of that happened with Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, did was was Judge Nathan Allison? I mean Allison Nathan, excuse me. Was Judge Allison Nathan at any point in her life working for? the British crown or working over there in England or, or working for Epstein. I mean, was, was she his secretary, you know, or, or was her wife, his secretary, or was that their pilot that flew? No. Okay. All of these different examples I'm using to draw into the connections that people had to Michael Sussman and the Democrat, um, um, party, as being part of this panel, right? I mean, this is, it's, it's unthinkable, unconscionable, and egregious how many different connectors were on that panel to either the defendant or the judge or the political party that the uh, defendant in question represented for their political campaign. It's unthinkable. Now, are we saying that we should have had a panel of what, conservatives or Republicans on there? No. I would say get your most apathetic... Get your Jehovah's Witnesses on there, right? Get people who are totally apolitical, right? Who have no bias, right? Although I will say I have been known, uh, I have known certain Jehovah's Witnesses that were like, go Hillary, uh, right? Yeah, and they were anti-Trump anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, it's a good thing they don't vote, right? Okay, anyways, <laughs> well, that's actually a terrible statement to make. Anyways, anyways, so that's besides the point. The point of the matter is, if we were looking at the Glenn Maxwell trial versus this trial and jury, there was one person on that jury panel that had suffered molestation as a child, could very easily have influenced that trial, those jurors, and a mistrial, right? And then it came out that another one did or whatever. But no one... Uh, was like a soccer mom along with Sussman's family. You know, no one was an extreme donor to anti-human trafficking causes. And the judge did not formally work with Sussman in a previous life, you know, career path or whatever. Like, all of that should have been considered, you know, and clearly, 
Christopher Cooper should not have sat as presiding judge on this trial. Clearly, like, I was no fan of Allison Nathan either. But up to this point, I gotta say, she has done a far better job for justice than Christopher Cooper, you know? And that's really not saying much, but that's saying a lot about him, okay? And the job that he did, okay? So let's look at the details. Juror donations, judges' family ties at Sussman Trial Spotlight DC's liberal leanings, okay? Because then the next question becomes, if in fact every single member on that panel was a Democrat voter, a progressive uh, individual, um, a leftist type of individual, a socialist type individual, um, an Antifa member, you know, a... Uh, um, what else could we say? A, a, uh, a critical race theory pusher, um, a Marxist in, uh, you know, American uh, clothing, um, or I don't know, you know, a transsexual um, that uh, hates every conservative because, you know, they're trying to keep them off the team. You know, if everyone on that jury was made up of that and, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a jury examination at this point, like where you know, you know, the, the, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the terms of this trial was, you know, after Ghislaine Maxwell, the jurors were more than welcome to go talk to the press. I don't know if those stipulations apply to this jury, you know, and I don't know if now the names will come out about who sat on the panel and, oh, you know, we would just love to know who those juror, jurors were on that panel, because once we know, we can figure out, hey, were they all registered Democrats? Did that one actually work on Hillary Clinton's campaign? You know, like, really? And what are the odds, what are the odds that this entire jury could in fact be like Marxist, socialist, uh, you know, Democrat, leftist leaning types of individuals? What are the odds that this jury was stacked against John Durham? Okay. And what are the odds that not a single lick of them independently was a Trump supporter or a conservative um, or totally um, apathetic or a Hillary Clinton hater, you know, because there are plenty of uh, non Democrats and non-Democrats out there that do not like Hillary Clinton. So what are the odds? What are the odds? And how would they fix those odds? Hmm. Let's look at the evidence real quick. Presiding judge's wife represents former FBI lawyer Lisa Page, whose texts critical of then-president candidate Donald Trump led to her departure. Okay, so Christopher Cooper's wife is a former FBI lawyer who represents Lisa Page. Oh, I'm sorry, she's a, former, she's a lawyer who represents former FBI lawyer Lisa Page. Pardon me. Okay, so there's your connection. That's a huge connection. A huge connection. Because ain't Lisa Page caught up in Crossfire Hurricane? One of the other prongs of the FBI's investigation? That alone should have gotten Cooper off as presiding judge. Period. Period. And then, and then they're going to tell me, but you know, they just, they, they pull the judge's name out of the bucket or, you know, they, they just start down on the next, you know, the next judge on the, in, in line. And that's how they choose their judges. 
Don't forget, in, in Arizona, the same thing happened. And they found out that uh, there was a, a mishandling of the judges. And, and one, of the, uh, one of their press secretaries, now one of their secretaries of the court, um, finagled it somehow. And it's just something that came to mind. I'd have to find you the story we reported on probably about a year ago. Anyhow, back to this. A trial for 2016 Hillary Clinton presidential campaign lawyer Michael Sussman this week in Washington, D.C. highlights the left leaning of the nation's capital with as many as three jurors reportedly having donated to the Clinton campaign. And the judge is like, well, you know, they admitted it. So we're going to keep them on the panel because they admitted it. God bless their honesty. If they are honest about donating to Hillary Clinton, then damn it, they're going to make an honest verdict. That's what I think. Uh, a fourth juror on the 12-member panel supported New York Democrat Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. In addition, presiding federal judge Christopher Cooper says he and Sussman were professional acquaintances while at the Justice Department in the 1990s, and the judge's wife represents former FBI lawyer Lisa Page. Okay? Who is judging the judges here, guys? Like, seriously. And isn't it obvious... These people all work incestuously and in-house with each other, okay? So clearly the Cooper household is a severely biased. Do you think that his wife is representing uh, Lisa Page just by some, some magical uh, incident or coincidence? No. They know who they are picking to represent them because most likely that lawyer has done work for them or has worked for one of their buddies or has worked for the same political party to some extent in the past, came by recommendation or personal association, okay? Part of the family, part of the crew, part of the club, okay? This is terrible. Okay, so let the world... No, let the record reflect that this is a total corrupt judiciary matter happening here, right here and now. People cannot see it. I don't know what they've been doing with their eyeballs their whole life. I don't know how they live, okay? Um, it says here, Page exchanged text messages critical of then GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump during the 2016 campaign with then FBI agent Peter Strzok with whom she was having an extramarital affair. Okay. Uh, the District of Columbia votes overwhelmingly for Democrat candidates with Democrats outnumbering Republicans 76.5 to 5.4%. That's how it was done, guys. That's how it was rigged, right? Just by total coincidence, right? Just by the numbers of how they vote in D.C., I bet, right? Right. Uh, in 2016, D.C. voters favored Clinton over Trump 90.9% to 4.1%. Special counsel John Durham's team objected to putting one Clinton donor on the jury after the man said he would strive for impartiality as best he could. However, the prosecutors were overruled by Poop. By, I was going to say Pooper. <laughs> yeah, Judge Pooper uh, by Cooper of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, who said the Clinton supporter expressed a high degree of confidence that he would not be bi biased. I will strive. That doesn't sound too confident to me. It sounds like it's going to be a challenge that will require a lot of in integrity and endurance to get there. 
Judges can remove prospective jurors if through questioning it appears they're not suited to sit on the jury for various reasons, including an inability to be impartial. Uh, Durham, who was appointed special counsel in October 2020 by the Justice Department, is charging Sussman right, for lying, etc. Bank, 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 etc., etc., etc. Uh, it concludes here, uh, roughly one-third of the potential jurors questioned by prosecutors and defense attorneys in Washington, D.C., uh, courtroom on Monday said they had s- said they had either donated to the Clinton campaign, worked the phone banks for her, or did something else to support her candidacy, the Washington Times reported. Others said they thought they had donated to the Clinton campaign but weren't sure but none of the avowed Clinton supporters made the final jury, the Times reports. Wah, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this article's out of Newsmask. I don't normally share Newsmask articles, but um, pretty strong words here. Ultra-liberal DC jury blasted for biased Sussman verdict. Who blasted them? Newsmask? You mean the same news agency that's in cahoots with Media Matters, which is also an ultra-liberal outfit? Maybe that's why I brought Newsmask up. Just to highlight that point as yet to be shared with the general public. Special counsel John Durham thanked the Michael Sussman jury for their service, but critics are blasting the Washington, D.C. judge and jury for the verdict. Constitutional law expert Jonathan Turley denounced a stacked jury that delivered the verdict, including admitted donors to Hillary Clinton, Representative Alexandria Occasional Cortex, um, and even a woman whose daughter plays sports with the Sussman's daughters. Um, this, uh, dude Turley says, I mean, he is facing a jury that has three Clinton donors, an AOC donor, and a woman whose daughter is on the same sports team with Sussman's daughter. With the exception of randomly selecting people out of the DNC, uh, Democrat National Committee headquarters, you could not come up with a worse jury. After the Sussman verdict was delivered, President Donald Trump has not, oh yeah, he's already, he's already responded, Okay. Okay, so there's that. Breaking ultra-liberal D.C. jury acquits their friend and former Clinton attorney for having concocted collusion between Donald Trump and Russia. Um, That is from Newsbusters. Former federal prosecutor Brett Tolman said Americans should not be surprised a D.C. judge and jury followed the politics instead of the law. Okay. Uh, Tolman denounced the judge in the trial for failing to root out bias in the jury pool. When you select a jury, you want to be able to point out potential biases and existing bias, and typically a judge would say to someone like, you know, the Hillary campaign can't be contributors. Um, Tolman added to the host, uh, the woman whose daughter was on the same athletic team as Sussman's daughter, you would say, you know what? The connection is too close. I'm going to eliminate that juror. But in this case, that did not happen, and so John Durham was left to use just a few challenges that he had to try to make a fair and consistent jury. And it proved to be impossible to do so in Washington, D.C. Okay? Yeah. Exactly, guys. Exactly. And so, perhaps it had to be this way, no? Because uh, we ain't just clearing out elections, right? Right? Elections, and rigged elections in particular, that's how you fill the swamp, Okay? That's how you fill the swamp. But when it comes to a corrupt judiciary, that is how you maintain the swamp. 
ladies and gentlemen. That's how you fortify the swamp, by having corrupt judges and corrupt jurors and rigged juror panels. That's how you do it, okay? Now, it had to be this way because this is something else that needs to be cleaned out. It's something else that needs to be drained, flushed, bleached. You know, it needs to be totally uh, just knocked over and rebuilt or whatever, however you want to do it, you know, whatever's kosher with Lady Justice, it needs to be done. So this is part of that process, you know. Um, this is highlighting the corrupt DC judges and courts, all right? That's my Garland Favorito moment on this, guys, because definitely speaking, one could uh, curl up in a little ball and say it's never going to change. Um, get your bomb shelters ready. Get your bomb shelters. Or you know what? We're clear out of town, guys, right? So what I want to share with you guys about the process of these jury panels, right? Now, in D.C., clearly, you know, it's a 75%, three-fourths three of the entire area votes Democrat. So the odds are in their favor that you're going to get a Democrat um, on that panel of jurors, right? What are the odds that all these other things are going to happen, you know? I mean, that there could not even be a single other, you know, so I'm like, do, will they release the information on who sat on that jury, you know? Because I think it would be interesting to note the probabilities when we're talking about what kind of panel that was. What made that panel up, you know? Who were the other jurors? Did we have even a single individual on that panel that was totally apolitical? Did we have a single juror on that panel that was um, not affected by uh, uh, Trump derangement syndrome, right? Like if you went to, and, and these are speculations on my part here, guys, but if we were to find out who was on that panel and we went to each and every one of their social media pages, what are the odds that every single one of them had derogative or negative things to say about President Trump? Okay. What are the odds, right? Because then one has to ask the question, what are the odds that we would have a panel just like that of juries, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, so I think this first trial, other than being um, an opening to the rest of investigations that can occur, because so much information has already spilled out, can, can most definitely also be used to highlight the corruption of courts and, uh, and some of the methods that they do to get there, right? Other than placing a judge to preside over a former friend and also his wife working for, <laughs> his wife having hired the defendant's wife. To, I mean, they probably go have dinner together, you know, like, let's talk about the trials, right? Uh, my wife's trial and your wife and, and your husband's trial, right? We're, we're going to talk business, I'm sure. I am so sure. I am as sure that the Sussmans and the Coopers had dinner, uh, strictly uh, meeting uh, business dinners, just as I am sure that Pence never ate uh, out anywhere, or spoke with another woman, or was in, a, in another room alone with another woman because it's the unchristianly thing to do. I'm so sure, okay? So, 
Um, there's a bit of information that came out, uh, well, when was it? Almost two years ago, guys, almost two years ago, okay, that addressed the issue of jury rigging. Specific, well, not, well, it was, it was a part of the overall expose, okay? It was part of the overall expose when we're talking about newer and more, um, Modern, technical, advanced, uh, how else would we say? Covert ways to rig a jury panel, okay? And what that had to do with was it had to do with, well, you guys might have heard the terms before, and these are outdated terms. Trust me, they are far outdated terms. But if you've been with me and you've been a part of this audience for long enough, you've heard me mention it before and explain it. And that would be hammer and scorecard. What? What? I thought that had to do with elections, Mr. C. Not with um, jury rigging, right? Well, actually, it didn't have to do with elections. It had to do with influence operations that was then turned into software that could be sold to politicians, to uh, businesses, to anybody who could then use those operation systems and apply them to what they were doing, right? So, uh, you know, you collect the data, right? And then you disseminate it throughout the internet or through whatever um, in real life or internet activities that you want to, right? Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We're talking about Shadowgate here, guys. We're talking about Shadowgate, okay? Now, Shadowgate, when it was released, as you all may recall, or maybe not, right? It was the most banned documentary, okay? Maybe 2,000 Meals could have been the most banned documentary had it come out back in the Shadowgate days, right? <laughs> but alas, it was released, like what? Last month. So, no, we, we didn't have Rumble back, back in the Shadowgate days. We didn't have Truth Social. We didn't have other platforms that would allow. Now, supposedly we had band.video, right? And band.video was the video platform, right? Where nothing is censored, but somehow they managed to censor Shadowgate also, right? Who owns or runs band.video? I forget. Does anyone in the audience know who owns or runs band.video and banned and censored Shadowgate? Okay. Now, in Shadowgate... In addition to sharing information about how the shadow government runs and operates, okay, it also shared a lot of information about things like interactive internet activity, or maybe it's internet interactive activity, IIA operations, right? Uh, which is basically like a big old boost of psychological operations and mind warfare operations, okay? But you, it's applied to software and technology through the internet, right? And it comes straight into your living rooms and across your uh, computer and your phone screens, just like my show is right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. You know, and if I weren't here to influence, but just to inform, you could call me an influence operation, right? Right. So go look for those receipts, guys. See if you can find who's uh, paying Mr. C to do what he's doing. <laughs> 
Oh goodness, this is going to be too much fun. So anyways, Shadowgate does reveal how juries can be rigged, okay? And what it has to do with is with that software that was created by the military through their, their psychological operations. Now keep in mind that that has been a, an underlying sub-theme in a lot of my recent shows and a lot of my recent extemporaneous speech, you know, is these psychological operations, these mind warfare operations, these influence operations, okay, and how they change elections or how they influence riots or, or how they um, trick an entire, you know, uh, community or nation or city or town into shifting their opinions, whether it's on politics, you know, or any other thing, guys, any other thing, okay? Now, I don't suppose we need to get into why Shadowgate was banned, unless you want me to, you know, which I think still to this day, you know, I just shame on anyone who refused to examine the information because they had a belief, a theory, or a bias against the people who produced this film, okay? Because it is my opinion that if you really are going to be someone who wants to search for and share accurate knowledge, you're not going to burn the message because you don't like the messenger, okay? And uh, it's, it's, we can remember who all was the one, the one, the ones, the people, you know, and even to this day, I'm finding out that there are still a lot of my types of shows, right? Informational shows, patriot shows, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, influencers, etc., who still crap all over these, the people who made this film, this documentary. But... Had we paid attention to the information and not the informants, you know, there's a damn good chance that nothing that happened in 2020 and beyond would have occurred. Is that realistic to say? If you're a pragmatic person who follows the patterns of history, no, it's not. There's no way to prove that had Shadowgate and the information included in this documentary had been taken seriously even a percentage-wise, that it would have changed the course of history. But when it was released, this thing was taken down worldwide, okay? In fact, whomever did not want anyone to know about the information in this documentary took it down around the world first, and that's the only reason why so many Americans saw it before it was censored and banned. It's the only reason. Because they needed to make sure that other nations did not see this documentary. You got to ask yourself why that is. Why was it so important to protect the information in this documentary if it was false, fake, a myth, make believe? You know, I would like to see any people who decry Millie Weaver or who decry Tori Morris, I would like to see them talk about Shadowgate. And I would like the, to see them talk about the information inside of Shadowgate and, and lay off any personal regards they have towards, you know, those people or, you know, or, you know, I don't know everyone else who participated in the creation of this documentary. I guess also Patrick Berge, right? And I guess also Millie's husband. But other than that, I don't know who else did this. Apparently Alex Jones funded it and immediately he totally... Uh, 
he totally what had buyer's remorse right <laughs> i didn't see it i didn't see it i trusted millie you know but um why did you ban it you know why was it so pivotal for you to have seen it first jones anyways as i'm carrying on with this guys i mean i really would you know I would say any honest person who is honestly sharing information should share with their own audience every single point by point why Shadowgate is wrong. That's what I think. I think you guys owe it to your audience to do that because everyone was stripped from this, this information, okay? Everyone. And everyone who talked crap about this documentary owes it to their audience. That's my opinion, okay? But they owe it to their audience because in my eyes, and I don't know who all of them were, you know, I know there's Jones, uh, I know there's Gavin McGinnis, you know, I know there's a few other ones out there that were just like, you know, whatever. Because um, again, I don't watch all of these other shows that talk and share information, right? But I would say, you know, they owe it to their audience uh, because at the end of the day, None of this information was disproven. None of this information was debunked or fact-checked. None of it, okay? None of it. And um, if really big platforms had jumped on to some of this information, things could be somewhat different. But that's a totally different timeline, right? So I think I've said enough about that. Um, what I wanted to do was share with you the informational clips that came from this documentary that express how a jury can be rigged, okay? Now, we're talking about an, an hour and a half, an hour and a 20-minute documentary that exposes the inner workings of the shadow government, how they do it, what they do, and how they perform influ influence, influ influence operations through internet activity, okay? There were nuggets of how they use it and admittance that it's, it's being used by courts to rig juries. So I was like, this is quite interesting. Okay. So, uh, and I just had recall from it whenever I saw the Sussman thing and we, I you know, put two and two together, including the whole fact of the matter that, um, you had all of these individuals on that panel that were like, how does one percentage wise get a panel like that? Right. It's astronomical almost even in a place like DC, unless it's rigged somehow. And maybe this isn't the exact way that they rigged it, but let it be known, dear viewer, that this is one of the ways that it can be rigged. And I think this is an example and a prime moment to allow this information to resurface. And that's why I'm going to share it with you. So take it with a grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, I'm going to play three short clips from this documentary. Again, parsed through just to find this information in a, an hour and 20 minutes long, only three small segments. Okay, so um, actually before I, I get into it, the first one that we're going to look at here talks a little bit about um, how the software works. That these, and really, I mean, maybe we should just watch this again. But really what we're talking about here is Patrick Berge developed software that they use to collect data, right? And plug it into like this, like, you know, uh, plug it into this uh, software and then you can filter it out, you know, and you can, and, and their algorithms. And so then uh, you can figure out uh, 
uh, a list of names. Oh, and, and of course, before I say that, Facebook was also involved in this as well. So they got all the data from the Facebook users, right? And then they, um, they can filter out whatever parameters or specifications that they want, right? Give me all the Clinton supporters, right? Give me all the Democrat supporters. Give me all the women five foot four or taller, you know? And whatever it was that they were trying to influence through that software that Patrick Berge created, in that way, they knew how to target their messages, okay? So that's part of how influence operations are um, executed using this uh, um, software, right? And then, okay, this was military. It started in military. And then uh, General James Jones, uh, he basically monetized it. And uh, they created a version of that software that could be sent to anyone, you know, send it to a business, send it to a uh, social media platform, send it to, um, send it to a, a court, right, system, send it to your local government, send it wherever you want so anyone could buy it. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all and uh that is one of the main that is one of the main um stories or sub stories in this documentary in addition to how uh they attempted to rig the election against trump in addition to how they tried to frame trump for being part of a an operation like this and to ruin his presidency right out the gates right uh, in addition to how the shadow government works, in addition to all of the actors worldwide and their connection to all of uh, to the shadow government and how it's, uh, you know, it's shipped offshores and everything like there is so much information in this documentary. If any of the other nations in this country saw it, like, I don't know, like maybe all the ones that we're doing regime changes in, right? The ones where we plant in our orange color or colored revolutions, you know, like think about, uh, I don't know, Ukraine, think about. Iran, think about the Middle East, think about all those countries. In all of those countries, this software was used to change public opinion and perception against the administration that the West and DC did not want in power anymore. That is how effective and that is how deadly this type of software is. And Shadowgate exposed it, guys, two years ago. And here we are with a rigged jury in DC and an election that we are fighting for to be exposed for the fraud in 2020 and hopefully for the fraud in 2022 as well. Anyway, so this first segment um, briefly describes what it is that the software does. Okay, so um, and I tried to uh, procure these as prudently as possible, but here we go.
The merging of John Brennan's tactical intelligence and General Jones's operational capabilities gave birth to ClearForce. ISI was the relational database component of it. That's what we named it. I named it actually. And uh, what did you name it ISI for? I like the iPhone, SI uh, for psychological warfare. Okay. You have the component where you need to be able to collect all this information. And then you need to be able to collaborate this information with a team of an unspecified amount of analysts and or other legal people that will be looking at stuff. And you need to be able to provide the leadership of a tactical operation. You need to be able to provide them what's called a COPS, a common operational picture, right? So this provides people at the top common operational picture of all the different assets. Assets can be journalists. It could be an entire news organization. It could be a podcast. It could be just a, a, an individual YouTube influencer. It could be anybody like that. And you would either build them from scratch or contract them out. Just bring them online. According to Bergie, the two... Okay, okay. I told you it was a real short clip, right? a nugget, right? Something you may not even catch unless you've seen the documentary a few times or you know what you're looking for. Talking about explaining how that software works, okay? You know, you, you can filter it out. You can, uh, you can pick your parameters of what it is you're trying to do, who you're trying to influence, a specific audience that you can generate, right? So that's what that segment was talking about. Just a nugget, guys. You know, if you want the entire view on it, I would recommend you guys see it again. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you see it, period. And uh, we, we did a watch party for it one time here at the Sea Report. The first time, poof, let me tell you, my, sh my channel was getting bombed left and right. Like, I even got booted out of my accounts the first time I tried to show this um, documentary on certain platforms that we're not going to specifically name. But those of you who are there, remember, Tori, remember what I'm talking about. Okay, so I'm gonna skip to the next segment. Am I going too far? Sorry, I'm reading my notes here, guys. I'm trying to see where the next segment is. Uh, she keeps coming up. Uh, is it 109 to 111? Zoinks, I cannot read my, <laughs> I cannot read my writing. Okay, hold on. Oh, that's uh, part one. Okay, so 30, 109, and 30, 30, okay, I think we're coming up on it. So yeah, I to, like I said, no one's ever clipped this out. So uh, I would have done it if I had time. Okay. So the next part, I think we're right on it, actually. Okay. Ah, not you. Bring back General Jones. There he is. Okay. All right. That's General James Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, former security and national security advisor for Barack Obama, right? Some people I know and I used to work with used to work for him, right? Some people I used to work with in live streaming worked for this man told me themselves. James Jones was my boss. 
Oh, is that really a fact? Okay, what did I just get myself into? Anyways, okay. Uh, some of you guys know them too, you know. Anyways, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and play this clip. That directly connected to both of them is President Trump, and he's on the receiving end of it. But yet you never hear this man's name. General Jones, that's the guy that heads up Clear Force. That's the guy that took ShadowNet and made it what it is. That's the guy that resold, reinvented ShadowNet to create the magic wheel at the DC courts to make sure that they get the most compromised juries, you know, put together for anyone that they didn't want. When General Jones was uh, tapped as um, the chairman of the board of Atlantic Council by to replace Huntsman, John Huntsman, one of the first orders of business that uh, he did with the Atlantic Council was to create a partnership with Facebook, right? That happened a month after Mark Zuckerberg sat in front of Congress. Yes, I mean, they they did not want their information to be sold to Cambridge Analytica by a developer. And, and that happened, and it happened on our watch. So even though we didn't do it, I think we have a responsibility to be able to prevent that and be able to take action sooner. So as a month after they do that, Facebook partners with General Jones at the Atlantic Council to restore election integrity worldwide, right? So the best out of 7 billion people on the planet, Mark Zuckerberg picks the owner of the shadow net. President Donald Trump and Mike Pence both ran. Okay. All right, just another short little nugget. If you know what you're looking for, you can find it. So in that clip, they're addressing clear force, okay? Owned by, owned and operated by General James Jones, or Jim Jones, however you want to call him, because he's got a son, his name is Jim also, so I say James. And um, he's the one that monetized that software. And as you might have heard Tori say, um, that you can use it to choose your own selection, you know, because what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a, the grander pool of jurors. It's not the ones that sit there and are actually um, interviewed by the judge. No, it's like you will get of this whole number of jurors, you will get ones that are to those specific parameters. Okay. That is a danger right there. Okay. So clear force, that's the name of the company. Okay. Um, who took Patrick Berge's software and monetized it. Um, now we'll go to the final clip on this, guys. And uh, we's going to call it a wrap for tonight. Just thought I would share this information. Okay, let me see where we're going. Think we can start here okay all right this one's a little bit longer than like a minute or two so um here we go guys jane what more can you tell us about well, that one of the other buildings building seven in the world trade center that. complex is on and fire and has either collapsed or is collapsing well but he didn't know the term iia so it would be easier for people to understand someone's hacking your reality because now in this day and age of computing, that makes more sense to people. They understand it more. Oh, hack my reality. You mean change the way I see things. And that is exactly what an IIA is. 
It's just that it's software churning out, oh, you need to do this to get this outcome. Kind of like using that shadow net in the DC courts and saying, oh, prosecutor, you want him to go to jail and you want a guilty verdict? Well, we're going to have to pool it out. And then when a pool of jury people come, all of them are potential to give you a guilty verdict. So then you pick from all the people that will give you a guilty verdict. <laughs> so there's no chance that That's you'll win. And even so Matt bad. Whitaker said that on my on my show. He said the judges are corrupt. That's a major problem for the justice system. If people are able to use that technology in jury selection to be able to predict who's going to, you know, throw their vote a certain way. Is anyone stopping them? That's a major problem right there. It is. And Roger Stone with this commutation will solve it because this is where it all comes to the surface. How do you think your jury pool was selected? Well, obviously, I don't know. I do know that based on the statistics on the District of Columbia, that, it, that the statistical improbability of my jury having a single Republican should be impossible. The statistical impossibility of my jury having a single military veteran should be impossible. The statistical possibility of my jury having no jurors with less than a college education is impossible. Uh, but that was the case. Well, what if I told you, Roger, that your jury was uh, actually selected? The jury pool, the grander jury pool, right? Before the voir dire, as they say, where you kind of select and approve and deny, right? The the majority of it was actually plugged into a program. But see, this program wanted to select a jury pool that would get you a guilty verdict no matter what. Hence, the odds, like you say, are so far-fetched. So the question is, who was the company, who was the vendor that was used to select your greater pool for the jury? And if your, you know, lawyer was to able to uh, able to find that or ask that question, I would not be surprised if you see the name General Hayden hop up. I do think it might strengthen my uh, the possibility of my appeal. It, should that become necessary. I will never plead guilty to something I didn't do. Uh, it's a matter that does require some research, and I appreciate you bringing it up. That's amazing. It's like minority report in real time today. Clear forces, kind of like what they built. It's it's the next iteration of the shadow net. They took the cycle, they, they took the, the profile uh, personas and profile capabilities. They added real-time criminal background, travel, financial, medical, added all these things in to create predictive behavioral profiles that determine whether or not you're likely to steal or leak. Clearforce actually sells this to HR, right? So you could actually go into a job, apply for it, and not get a job because an application with an algorithm designed by Obama's national security advisor and or Obama's CIA director determined that you were predictably likely to steal or leak in some minority report like fashion. And you may never ever steal or leak, but you might lose a job because something read all your posts and looked at your information and determined that. Think about it. If people knew just how bad it is, 
think about how many things he's changing and how much money they're taking. I mean, think of all the money they're going to lose in contracting. He's stopped the clearances. Remember, once you're out, now we pull your clearance. He did that, remember? So now all the future generals or all the future intelligence community persons don't get to use their clearance. If you're out, it's finished. You guys were... Okay. A lot of information in that documentary. I'm just saying... I'm just saying. So do you think that there's a plausible reason why the military industrial complex, the establishment, the globalists, and specifically the deep state globalists, that of course being the uh, United States, DC side of things, would want that type of information hidden, okay? Now, are the courts in D.C. rigged using such types of um, uh, software? That remains to be seen. But this is a piece of information I think that is vital moving forward in our search for the most accurate truth and information as well as in the fight to restore our republic. It cannot be denied. It cannot be ignored. Okay. I think at some point um, we will have to reach our resolve, ladies and gentlemen, and truly, truly mean what we say when we utter such phrases as where we go one, we go all. If you catch my drift, okay? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up tonight's episode of The Sea Report. Doing it late night style, my style, the only way that I can do it here, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out today. I th you know, we have a pretty fairly sized audience, even for this late hour. Uh, and across Rumble, YouTube, Foxhole, Pilled, and Twitch, doing great, doing great on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. We'll be back tomorrow again, ladies and gentlemen. There's no telling what headlines we will be sharing with you guys tomorrow is they are changing just constantly love a day of busy headlines guys cannot complain even though it keeps me on my feet and i thank you all once again now uh don't forget guys if you are on uh, on rumble twitch or cloud hub make sure you follow and or subscribe if you'd like to get on the conversation which normally i i get a little bit more interaction with the audience but i just needed to get this stuff out uh you got to go get your free account over at the foxhole.app or pill.net you can join in on the conversation for sure that way uh, make sure you follow us over at truth social if you've got your truth social account i'm at mrctv and I also have a Gab account over at MR underscore CTV. Check out the podcast version of this show in case you got to take the C Report on the go. And you can do that at anchor.fm slash the C Report. Anchor.fm slash the C Report. Visit the C Report.com. Join the mailing list. Check out the website. There's some stuff over there to take a gander at as well. And in the meantime and in between time, ladies and gentlemen, as always and as forever, be safe and be blessed. And God bless America. We'll see ya tomorrow. Have a great night, y'all.